0: No one despite your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity.
1: Thanks, Eli. You did a great job. And we're so blessed today to celebrate the ministry of Colette Kronz and her most faithful sidekick, Dan. And many, many of y'all have been blessed by them. I'm Ed Glaze. For those of you that don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here and grateful to be here. I am still on Pacific Time, so it is 6.04 in the morning by the time I woke up on just a day or two ago. So if I fall asleep in the sermon, please forgive me. Glad you're here and glad you're joining in online uh, with us today. Robert Fulghum wrote a book that I bet many of y'all have heard of and maybe even read. It's called All I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And y'all might remember that book. And it, you know, it says some simple lessons like share, play fair, don't hit anybody, wash your hands, flush. <laughs> When you go out into the world, hold each other's hand and don't forget to wonder, because remember the first word that we learned to read was, look. Well, I'll extrapolate that just a little bit and say this, all that we ever needed to know, we learned in Miss Collette's Sunday school classes, (laughs) didn't we? And... She and her wonderful teachers, and many of them are sitting here today, have shown us what it means to live as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. All you need to do to see this lived out is go downstairs after church this morning, and you'll see something beautiful happening in each and every one of those Sunday school classes. You'll see teachers and children on the floor learning together. You'll see kids excitedly drawing and coloring and building and reading and learning. Caught up in the wonder of learning the simple stories, but so impactful stories of, of Jesus. And they are setting an example for us. All you have to do, as I said, is go down there. And as they are learning in godly play, they are also living out those lessons. Don't believe me. One time I went into their classroom and their teacher, Dr. Rodney, was going to have surgery. And what were those kids doing the Sunday before he was to have surgery? They're laying hands on him, praying for him. Here's a picture of what they are doing one Sunday. Rodney and, and Jana led them around to all the offices. And they're, what they're doing, they are praying for each and every person who works at this church. They are blessing us. They are setting an example by the way they live. Yes, maybe all we needed to know, we learned in Miss Collette's Sunday school classes and the lessons she taught throughout Confirmation and Club 45. The trouble is that, well, some of us grow up, right? Some of us grow up. And Fulgen says this later on in the book. He says, wouldn't it be great if we extrapolated those lessons that we learned in kindergarten into our adult lives? Wouldn't it be great if governments learned to clean up after themselves, that we treated each other fairly, we listened to and lived out the golden rule? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we all realized that we're in this together and and we hold hands, and wouldn't it be wonderful if we never lost that childlike sense of wonder of all that's around us? Yes, maybe, just maybe, All we needed to know in life, we learned it in kindergarten and Miss Collette's Sunday school classes. Well, today in the scripture verse that Eli, you just did a great job, buddy. Thank you. Read to us this morning. We read about somebody who learned lessons as a young person and carried them through his entire life. Of course, that's Timothy. Paul is writing to his young protege, and you might remember uh, a little bit about Timothy. Timothy grew up in the town of Derby, where Paul and Barnabas go on the first missionary journey, and uh, they establish a church there, and then when Paul returns to Silas on the second missionary journey, they see that this young man has led the church. He is a leader there in the church, and they're so impressed with him that Paul says, hey boy, y'all, you come with me. Well, he didn't, maybe he didn't say it that way, but he, he invited them along in, in, in this journey that they took throughout Asia Minor and Macedonia and where they would establish churches. And oftentimes, Timothy was sent ahead of Paul to kind of prepare the way. And then whenever there's any trouble in any of these churches, Paul would send Timothy to be an emissary for Paul in these churches and report back to Paul how things are going in those churches. Later on, later on, Paul thought so highly of Timothy that at his favorite church in Ephesus, he says, hey, you go and be the senior pastor there. Wow. Wow. So Timothy, you see, all of his life is somebody who kept the lessons that he learned early on in life because we read in another part of Timothy that Paul says this about him: You learned from your mama Eunice and your grandmother Lois. And from an early age, it says in 1 Corinthians 16, that you love the word. And and he grew not only to love the written word, he grew to love the the word in Jesus Christ. He says to his young Timothy, continue to live out those lessons. But one thing we, we have to understand here is that Timothy, when this letter is being written, isn't a youth like we would say a youth is in our day and time, like a teenager or even a a young, young adult. No, the word in Greek means somebody who is of draftable age into the Roman army. And so that could be anybody under the age of 50. And more than likely, when this letter was written to Timothy, Timothy was in his late 30s or his early 40s, but we know from later writings that to be an elder, a leader in the church, he had to be at least 50 years of age. Now, I think a few people in the congregation here might be considered to be an elder in the church, right? So, Timothy is being told, don't be looked down on because you're not of age to be an elder in the church. You continue to set that example of godliness. And the the setting for this letter that Paul is writing to Timothy is this, that there are people in the church that begin to follow after a false teaching that is growing up within Christianity at the time. It's called Gnosticism, and we won't get into all the background of it, but basically it believes it's all, it is this belief that all you need to worry about is what you have in your head that you have this right secret gnosis. It doesn't matter how you live. As long as you have right beliefs, you're going to be okay. And Paul is saying to Timothy, by the way you live, by your example, show that this way is not right. And so what does he say to Timothy? He says, be loving, be pure, or that could be translated authentic. So that's the word I'm, I'm going to use, and be loyal in the way that you live, by your example. Timothy was loving. And we've talked a lot about love here. We did a whole series on love. But we can never talk about loving too much, right? Because loving is sometimes so hard to do. I I love the way that William Barclay uh, says this word love. It's unconquerable benevolence. Unconquerable benevolence. Timothy, you see, was being called to love even when it was difficult. He was called to love these people who were disagreeing with him, who were maligning him, who were saying that, no, Timothy, we got this better way of living. Timothy, you see, was to love. He could not allow any room for unforgiveness, even in the midst of disagreement. He could allow no room for hate, even with those people who were maligning him. No, Timothy was to love you see, and be an example of that. And you have to ask yourselves: Are we loving like that? I love the way that Vince Lombardi talked about love. It's hard to believe that Vince Lombardi talked about love, but he—you he, know—that great football coach that said that winning isn't the is the only thing. But he later re- regretted saying that. But he said this: I am relentless in my love for my players, because I want the very best in them. So that's why sometimes I'm so hard on them. I like that term, relentless in our love. That's the way Timothy was. C.S. Lewis said, don't worry about your feelings. Don't follow feelings. You show love anyway, and then feelings will follow Timothy was relentless in his love, just like lots of kids are. Isn't it funny when you go down to a Sunday school class or we go to a a school where there's young kids, they don't care who you are. They're just going to come up and hug you, right? That's relentless love. And God, forgive us for beating it out of our kids. Paul says also that you are to be pure again the word i 'm translating it is authentic in the way that you live that the, what you say and what you do match each other. what you do and what you say match each other to be honorable and upright and everything that you do around the time that Timothy was alive a, a pagan philosopher named Pliny wrote this letter, and he said this about the Christians there in Asia Minor. They're upright in all that they do. They neither lie nor cheat nor commit adultery. Their word is their bond. He's talking about people there in Asia Minor, these Christians that are in Asia Minor. Who's the leader of the churches there in Asia Minor? Timothy. Where did these folks learn to live that way? From their leader, Timothy. You see, Timothy was authentic in his behavior, in the way that he lived. His word was his bond. He was honorable in all that he did. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we who claim the name of Christ had our words and our deeds match one another? You know, one of the greatest indictments against Christianity in this day and time is that people say they don't live out their beliefs. Wouldn't it be wonderful if when people thought of Christians, they thought of honorable people, loving people, people who are authentic in everything that they did, people that were childlike in the wonder and their love, people would be attracted to a faith like that, would they not? May that be said of us, that we're authentic. Because it attracts people, you see. A little girl named Sally was observed by her teacher giving cookies to this other girl named Madeline who had been mean to her and insulted her and teased her on the playground. Now, the teacher was kind of concerned about this because she thought that Madeline had Force Sally to give her cookies. It said something in the playground that if you don't give me your cookies, I'm going to beat you up. So the teacher, naturally after lunch, said to her, "Uh, Sally, why did you give your cookies to Madeline? Did she threaten you? She said, oh, no, ma'am, not at all. We learned in Sunday school that we are to love those who treat us mean. And so I'm giving my cookies to to Madeline because she treated me meanly. The teacher said, you learned that in Sunday school? She said, yes, ma'am. And that teacher said to herself, I want to go to a church where they teach children those type of lessons. And they began to attend that church. See, authentic faith attracts people. That's why the lessons that our children are learning and showing are so important. Because they're lessons that we need to learn and to show and to live out in our lives. He was authentic. He was loving. And Paul says, Timothy, be loyal all your days. Timothy had a great example in Paul in this because Paul was indeed someone who was loyal to Jesus Christ no matter what. We see that he goes on these great missionary journeys. And if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he writes some of the things that he endured, all these hardships, all these travels. He was beaten numerous times to the point of death. He was hit with rods three times. He was stoned at least one time. He shipwrecked at least one time. So Timothy had a great example there in Paul. So what do we know then of Timothy and his loyalty? Well, of course, he left everything follow after Paul and to, to, to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. We read in the book of Hebrews that he's jailed at least one time. In their travels, in their travels the, the, some of the Jewish Christians were concerned that since Timothy was raised by a Greek father that he had not been circumcised, so he went through that very painful procedure as a young man so that people would not be critical of him. Later on, we hear of Timothy. At the age of 80 there in the city of Ephesus, a parade to the goddess Diana was being held. And Timothy got up in the midst of that crowd and began to preach the gospel, trying to get them to stop that pagan ritual. Now, y'all, that would be like somebody standing up in the middle of Mardi Gras in New Orleans and all that ruckusness and, and preaching a sermon. Now, in this day and time in New Orleans, people would ignore you or laugh at you. Back in the first century, it would kill you. And that's exactly what happened. Timothy was dragged out into the streets. He was beaten and stoned to death. Loyal to Jesus Christ until the end. You see, he lived out his childlike faith. All of his days. He was an example for us, you see. But some might say, well, you know, the youth today, the children today, you know, can there be really examples for us? You know, we we can be so critical of the generations that are behind us, right? Here's what one uh, person said in an essay. The indictment is this. Luxury, rudeness, disrespect for elders, Contempt for authority, chatting all the time rather than exercising, contradicting their parents, eating the dainties at the dinner table, disloyal to their schoolmasters. That was written in 500 B.C. <laughs> Every generation of older people have said something about the younger generations, right? The folks today are saying this about the younger generation. Their heads their heads are always in a screen. They have a, a propensity just to drink rich coffee and, and avocado toast. They, they they don't know how to speak to one another. You know, they, that's the way these young people are today. Well, you know, you think about your generation when you're coming along. I, I know people said this of... My generation, a year or two ago, they love disco music. They do all sorts of things that cause harm to, yeah, there you go, yeah, cause harm to themselves and to others. Think about your own youthful generation and what they said about you, your elders did about you and your friends. So what can we learn from the youth and the children today? Well that they have faith at all is an example to us. You see, back in my day, maybe in your day too, particularly growing up in the South, most everyone went to church, right? You had, had youth with you in, from your church and school, right? Maybe in your high school annual, they would even have that scripture verse that Eli read for us this morning in, in the back of the annual. I mean, that, that was part of my growing up. But here's what a parent said to me not too long ago, Pray for my child to have Christian friends with him at school because he can't find any. This ain't Southern California where I just traveled from. This is in Boone, North Carolina. So that our young people having faith at all is remarkable. They, like Timothy, back in the first century, are in an island of paganism in our day and time. Statistics show us that people 35 years and younger, only 36% of them participate in any religious activities. And for our teenagers, it's even younger than that. So young people who are here today, thank you for showing us what it means to be a faithful Christian when it's so hard for you because there ain't a lot of you right now. And we know that we, we've seen this example of our smaller children and, and, and what Miss Colette, who we honor today, is showing us by their faithfulness, their enthusiasm, their love of learning. their wanting to pray for others. But our youth, our teenagers, led by Danae, are doing some incredible things too. A couple weeks ago, we honored our high school seniors and I heard from many people that it was one of the best High school senior banquets that have ever been held. And at the conclusion of it, well, here's on the screen what they did. They gathered around to pray for those seniors. But you know what the seniors started doing? They started praying for each other because they were so committed to one another and they wanted to hold each other up in love. This summer, Danae and the youth are going to spend time away serving in our community, living out our our mission statement, loving our community, inviting all to discover life in Christ. They are going to be doing those things. But here's an example of something that I hope we pick up on as a church. There's this old fellow named Vern (laughs) who used to be y'all's youth director. And you know what God led him to do? He started small groups within the youth fellowship. And so that tradition continues to this day. The youth gather together and they worship together. And then they go out and meet in small groups to to support each other, to help each other authentically live in love, to be loyal to Jesus Christ. And you heard a few weeks ago how much the small groups meant to, to Patty And as Jeff and the discipleship team begin to implement this type of ministry in the life of the church, you are going to be invited to participate in a small group ministry just like our youth are doing right now. They are an example for us, you see. They're an example of what it means to try to live out a faith in a time when it is so hard. but I'm gonna let one of our youth share with you what this means. Katie Denadio, a leader in our youth, is about to share with you how this church has meant so much to her to help her connect with Jesus Christ. And she is an example for all of us of what it means to be faithful. Katie?
0: Hi, my name is Katie Denadio and I am a senior graduating from Watauga High School I serve as the youth representative on church council here at Boone United Methodist. I have been involved in church for 18 years now. I was involved in confirmation, which is where I accepted the Lord and got reconfirmed at Valley Cruces Park. My prayer partner, Tracy Smith, and Madison Haller, my mentor, had a great impact on my journey as well. Growing up, my sister, who is two years older than me, always looked forward to Sunday nights. I loved to sit down and listen to her share stories about her experiences in confirmation and youth. After I got reconfirmed, I was then involved in the Boom Youth Group. This youth group wasn't just a regular youth group to me. This is where I found my family through Christ. I made many new relationships through this experience and I will hold those close to my heart. I got to worship in many different ways, one being singing in the youth group. Ben Fitzgerald reached out to me and one of my peers and invited us to sing. I grew in many different ways through this experience. From the youth retreats, lock-ins, monster nights, and many other great memories, I will forever call this youth group my family. Winter weekend was a time that stuck out to me the most. My sister and I loved to worship together. At this retreat, we let go of everything and focused on one another in our relationship with Christ. We found ourselves walking the path that Christ laid out for us together. Over the past six years, our small group girls leader, kirsten Groover was amazing kirsten taught me many different things that i will treasure forever her and her husband christian covington have been great role models for me and have helped me walk my path with christ i will always treasure these memories in the youth group and the positive environment that was set here for me at this church thank you to everyone who has made this experiment experience impactful for me and my family
1: Thank you, Katie. You hear what she said? You hear what she said? She was nurtured as a child from her earliest memories through the ministry of Colette and so many of you all that were a part of that. You hear about that in confirmation, which we celebrated just a few weeks ago. And did you hear about what she said, that small group nurturing her? holding her, supporting her, you know, that's something that we all need. That's something we all need. So, friends, as we conclude our time here this morning, all you really needed to know about the Christian faith, you learned, or can learn as a child, and call it Sunday school classes, lessons that you grow into as a youth, and now those of you who are maybe a little bit older than a youth, what you do is to hold on to those lessons. Hold on to each other's hands so that together we can live out being authentically loving and loyal to Jesus Christ. And don't forget to look. And have a childlike wonder, for God's grace is all around us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us pray. We come before you, God, all of us are children, really. We need each other so that we can experience your grace fully and live out the lessons that many of us learned as a child or those who came to faith later on in life are now maybe seeing in their own children or or the kids that are here in this church. May we, God, with a childlike trust, live out what we know to be true, that you love us and you call us to love others too. So, God, may we always remember, deep within the center of our being, that we're children and that we need you, and we need one another. Help us go forth from here, living out the lessons that were taught by the ultimate teacher, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.